0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Live from the auction community studios. It is Wolf and Luke. We are in the final week of the NBA season. The Suns officially locked into that four spot.
1: Wolf. Sweet. Feels good. Does feel good.
0: And now that you look at, I guess there's still technically five teams they could play. Uh, let's say realistically four, okay? And really, realistically three, but here's the four Golden State, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Pelicans. Now, that hasn't changed since the other day when we talked about it. And we kind of went back and forth. Who would you rather play? Who would you rather not play? To me, the conclusion that that I came to was it doesn't really matter who the Suns want to play because they have absolutely no control over it. They're locked into four. Now you guys can line up and decide who wants to play the Phoenix Suns. My question is, are teams going to try to avoid the Phoenix Suns? Because it is. That's a dangerous game now with the play-in tournament there. I can just tell you, if I were the Clippers, let's say, and my options were... Play the team with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul in the first round. I don't really want to do that, but I'd rather do that than go into the play-in tournament where one bad night ends your season, potentially. Yeah. So,
1: good luck to y'all. Yeah, <laughs> no. first Lakers, whatever. No, I'm with you on that. You know, once again, my, my feeling is you don't want to try to manipulate who you're going to play against. You don't, unless you think, you know what, uh, I think we are their kryptonite so to speak. <laughs> and that's why, when I think of it, with us with the Suns, I think immediately the Golden State Warriors. And I think they think they are the Suns' kryptonite because they can get physical. They can and will. Isn't that right, Draymond Green? They will get physical. And because of that, I think the Warriors think they match up really well with Steve Kerr and the Kevin Durant Suns. I, I... Or not Steve Kerr. I was gonna say, wait a minute, what's just happened? Wait a minute. Steve Kerr was saying <laughs> yes, of course. The Kevin Durant Suns, they match up well.
0: I um I don't disagree with what you're saying. I have a, s I'll go slightly off path though. I think the Warriors have a, a good amount of respect for the Suns, and I, I just I had this feeling last year when when they were playing Dallas and almost and they've made comments this year too, since then of oh yeah, we thought we might be playing the Suns in the in the Western Conference Finals. I feel like the Warriors are just kinda like, okay. That's the team that we think might might be the biggest threat to us. Because if you're the Warriors, you just won the title. You've won four titles. Yeah. You don't, you don't look at anybody like, oh, can we beat them? You're like, I, I, who's the right. biggest threat to us? I think the players on that team look at the Suns as the biggest threats to them in the I Western Conference. That. I agree. And I think because they're the Warriors, they're like, all right, bring it on. And I think that's what the matchup's going to be. I think it's going to be Suns-Warriors. And I don't think the Suns are going to shy away from it either. And honestly, we may look back at the end of the playoffs and be... Thinking that probably should have been at least the Western Conference Finals, if not the NBA Finals, and it was a first-round series. The wrinkle here is Golden State's getting Andrew Wiggins back, and that's huge for their defense. Here, Steph Curry yesterday—he's hey, one of us. As um, like we talked about the whole time, it was
2: you know when when he came back it was the right time, and considering everything he's been through, and you know we, we love his presence, the wig smile. Um,
0: you know, just just having him in the locker room was, was big. I didn't get to see him on the court as much, but it was uh, it was great to have him back. I would just say this. The Suns, as currently constructed, are much better than their record indicates, and so is Golden State.
1: Yes. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch the next couple of games for the Warriors right now because they've played 80. They've played 80 games right now, and it's still up in the air, I believe, with the Clippers As to whether or not the Clippers still could get the five seed, correct? I I think I'm right on that. Yeah,
0: the Lakers could too. Because the Lakers, yeah, the Lakers, Lakers, Clippers, or Warriors could. So
1: I think it's going to be interesting to watch how hard the Warriors over these last two games play and how long they play their guys. (laughs) Because that will tell you if they really truly want to match up and play the Phoenix Suns.
0: Well, along those lines, you've got the 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 Lakers who played last night and beat Utah in overtime. Okay, now they play the Clippers tonight. They've got two more games after that. They got the Suns actually on April seventh. They got Utah on Sunday. So Suns Friday, Utah Sunday. But for the Lakers, the way this is so bunched up, and it's probably exactly what Adam Silver wanted when they put in the play in. But you've got Golden State in fifth, a half game behind them are the Clippers and Lakers, so that's sixth and seventh. And then one game behind them is New Orleans for eighth. Now again, the cutoff—if you're not in the top six, you're you're playing extra games next week. So Anthony Davis and LeBron were both asked last night. Okay, they play again tonight against the Clippers of all teams. So a very important game. And this was Anthony Davis's response when they asked him, "Okay, are you going to play in the back-to-back? It's kind of a big game."
1: Obviously, I've been playing back-to-back in a long time. Uh you know, then I played like 42 minutes or something like that. So, probably right, the most I've played since I've been back. So, I mean, you know, you know we all get on a phone call or something tomorrow and just and, and go from there.
0: Uh, let me just, before you even react to that, Wolf, here's LeBron. And if he will play in the back-to-back.
1: How uh, My foot feels when I wake up, I step out of bed. Um, uh, that's been the most in, uh, important since I've injured it, you know, five weeks ago, you know, that the next day after either rehab or training or, or, or treatment or whatever, it's always that when you step out of bed for the first time in the morning, um, how, how does it feel? Because that's going to dictate the rest of the day. So uh, we we'll see what happens in the morning. Are you implying that the Lakers are trying to avoid the Phoenix Suns? I'm just implying that it's not their priority <laughs> to play the Suns
0: because, again, the game is tonight. And, and I'm I'm really talking more about the Anthony Davis one than LeBron because I get that LeBron is working his way back from, like, a legit sure. injury. He missed time. Sure. And I understand that Anthony Davis it, has had injury issues, right? And so you want to be healthy for the playoffs. but. Let's just play this out for a second. Let's just use logic for just one second. Okay. If, if with Anthony Davis, okay, well we don't want him to be hurt for the playoffs. All right, we don't want to play in a back to back. If you avoid the play in, you get all of next week off. Yeah. So shouldn't that be more of a priority? You would think so. I want to give Anthony Davis six days off, or I want to give him three hours off yeah. tonight against the Clippers.
1: You know, I, I don't know, man. I, you know how I feel about this. I just don't understand the mentality that is like, you know, hey, listen, I played forty two minutes. You know what I mean? I, you expect me to play? And they, you, I, I don't understand. I, I really don't understand the mentality of the NBA player today and what is going on. How, how did Michael Jordan? How did anybody from the past, Charles Barkley? How did you ever get through a season? You know, I, I it just drives me crazy right now. And maybe you're right though. Maybe the Lakers, maybe the Lakers aren't burning to actually somehow, some way secure that number five seed.
0: Well, logically, I mean, if you just want to go logically, it would make more sense to. If, if you could pick your opponent, I get wanting to play Sacramento they're unproven in the playoffs over the Suns as the Suns are currently constructed. That's a big yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so, a big yes. I, I'm not even saying like that, that they're being ridiculous, except if you – this is – This is the biggest back-to-back they've played all season. And there are no more back-to-backs this season. So it's not like, well, we played Anthony Davis in both halves of the back-to-back. Now we got to do it every week. No, you don't have to. There are no back-to-backs in the playoffs. If you lose to the Clippers tonight, you are almost certainly going to be in the play-in tournament Playing extra games next week, you might be done next week before yeah. the playoffs even start.
1: But but once again, if you're trying to manipulate who you're going to play, instead of just winning as many games as you possibly can—that's my point. That's all you need to do is go out and win and try to win every game that you possibly can based on needs. If you're trying to manipulate who it is you're going to play, you know, um, really, what kind of competitor are you? You're going to have to beat the best to be the best, period. And I don't know what to say about that other than I think the Warriors are looking at it and they're saying, we want to play the Phoenix Suns. Because we know who we are, and we can ball out, and we know. We think we match up well against Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns, and we're going to ball out. That's what we're going to do. And if we're going to ball, we might as well get it out of the way. Let's play the best team in the Western Conference, and let's see.
0: I think if if you're the Warriors, it's all of that, and it's, hey, let's catch the Suns before the Suns totally know who they are in a playoff situation where there's going to be some adversity. And if you're the Warriors, you're probably like, you know what? We go out there and beat them. We're probably going back to the finals.
1: I want players that have a bring it on mentality. Just bring it on. I don't care who you are. Bring it on. All right. When we come next, (laughs) that needs to be the tagline for you
0: on the air. I don't care who you are. Bring it on. Uh, When we come back, one NFL exec said this was going to be a throwaway year for the Cardinals, and that was before everything yesterday. Why? Why does he feel that way? We're going to ask the athletics Mike Sando. He wrote the piece, and he's going to join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Unless you're Lawrence Taylor. Wolf and Luke.
1: Arizona Sports, the
0: local sports leader. Football season really just does never end, especially around here. Um, Welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke here on this Wednesday morning. We referenced a story by Mike Sando, NFL writer for The Athletic, yesterday. Wolf, talking about free agency. And he had the the line talking to an NFL exec that uh, this is essentially going to be a throwaway year for the Cardinals. That was before everything else even came out yesterday afternoon. Mike Sandos joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, so we're going to ask him a lot of different uh, things. Mike, thank you for the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, let's, let's start with the piece that you wrote, and it wasn't just on the Cardinals, but obviously the Cardinals part of it kind of stood out to a lot of us here, because at least for me, I don't totally know what to make of this upcoming season either. I know a lot of it is the uncertainty around Kyler Murray, but there are times where it does feel like a throwaway year. So when you had an NFL exec say that, what was your reaction?
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's a difficult, they're, they're coming out of a different, difficult run with the roster and it needs a little bit of a reset. They lost a lot, obviously, on the defensive line, uh, and their quarterback's not going to play for who knows how long, right? And Kyler Murray's such a electric w- uh, player who, you know, relies on his running to get an edge. Uh, so you wouldn't think that, you know, he's just going to come back right away and be the same type of player, right? So you're probably not going to be in position to like go for it this year just because of your quarterback situation so then you look at the moves that they've made i mean there's a huge difference between what arizona's doing and what miami's doing right miami's trading first round picks getting jalen ramsey they got tyreek hill i mean they're in their window right now i think everyone feels like the cardinals are hey this is a little bit of a longer term deal and the quarterback situation's thrown in there they're obviously not Just going crazy in free agency, signing a bunch of top guys. They they have added some players, but they they're not you know neo movers. And then we're wondering what's going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins. Right, he's going to make 19 million this year. Is that is that smart to pay him 19 million dollars this year when you don't even have? Your quarterback. So, Michael, how you doing, man? Haven't talked to you in a while, bro. I'm doing great. Well, if I was going to say, it's good to reconnect. It's been too long.
1: No, absolutely, buddy. So, talk to me a little bit about who do you like? Who? What teams out there have you actually looked at and said, man, these teams are the teams to watch coming out of free agency? Uh, That's a great question. Uh, Out of free agency.
2: you know, I like San Francisco getting uh, getting Hargrave to their defensive line. I mean, I think that's just adding strength to strength, even though the contract was a little bit, I think a little bit probably too rich and a little bit of a different structure than what they've done, um, you know, in, in the past, I think you have to sort of like some of the things Chicago's done. They had a lot of resources this year. I still think they need a lot of help on their lines, but you can see that they've got a plan. They're going to build around uh, Justin Fields, and they picked up a nice piece in, in D.J. Moore, probably fortified their defense a little bit. So yeah, I think those are a couple teams that probably stand out. I think Seattle did a nice job of not going overboard with Geno Smith, wow. you know, the quarterback you like, but, do you really going to pay him 40 million a year? No, they're able to go year to year with him. So that was pretty good. We're talking to Mike Sando,
0: NFL writer for the Athletic. Uh, Mike, going back to a name you brought up uh, earlier, DeAndre Hopkins, and, and you put this in your story. You know, it doesn't. <laughs> you look at the situation the Cardinals are in. You're, you're paying Kyler Murray and he's hurt. You're paying Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kyman. They're not even here anymore. So it makes very little sense to pay DeAndre Hopkins at this point. The problem is everybody else around the league seems to know that too. So how do you sure. see this playing out? I mean, can the Cardinals expect any sort of reasonable return?
2: I think the contract is probably problematic for other teams, too. And then what would the expectations be for DeAndre Hopkins on a new contract, right, if another team's not going to do it? So DeAndre Hopkins, for all we know, may prefer just getting a chance to go to the market, right, and have his own way. So whoever's acquiring him would have to probably have conversations with him uh, about the salary and what the future and expectations are. Uh, And he's not at his peak value right now, right, just uh, the way things have gone. He's missed some games last year, uh, all of that. So I think people are waiting to see what would they do. Would they actually release him to move on? Is this the time to do that? Would hurt to do that? But $19 is a lot of money for where they're at in this build, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, for me right now, there was a tactic that the Raiders used with Rodney Hudson where they leaked the story that they were going to release Rodney Hudson. And I think they did that. This is just me, Mike. But I think they did that. Because if, if you're going to shake the bushes, metaphorically speaking in the NFL, that's going to do it right there by letting people know. Yeah. We're going to release Rodney Hudson. Well, there's a lot of teams who do not want to pick up that salary. So they're not going to just pick them off the waiver wire. There's a lot of teams also that don't want him to get. To a free agent status (laughs) where suddenly they know if we want to acquire Rodney Hudson, now we're going to have to pay an awful lot of money for that. I I think the same thing applies to DeAndre Hopkins as well. Wouldn't you rather negotiate a contract with D Hop one-on-one and give up a draft pick as opposed to letting him get to the open market?
2: If you feel like you can get... You know if you feel like you can get the type of deal that you want i mean that's a that, that's a big if because of the nineteen million dollar salary right you're acquiring a nineteen million dollar salary if you do it right now, so right there you who has a nineteen million dollar slot right now yeah right yeah but if you you're just sitting there, hey we got a nineteen million dollar slot that's not normally how it is uh in April fifth right and so uh I think that just makes it very interesting and and then in the draft too we've seen teams drafting a lot of wide receivers. There's been way more taken in the first round the last three years, um, and they've hit. These guys have done well. So uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going into his age 31 season, played nine games last year and 10 games the year before, uh, and has a total of 1,200 1300 yards over two seasons so he's not exactly ascending right now so you'd have to really feel good about everything hey we're, we're we feel great about the guy we're getting we feel great about the ability the player on the field and where he's at in his career uh coming off of a suspension by the way and, and then we feel really good about whatever we want to do on a contract with him those and by the way we're going to do this before the draft which somebody could if they feel like they really have to have a wide receiver but that's a lot of Ifs and boxes to check that probably reduces the number of teams that are going to be doing that
0: right now in April. Talking to Mike Sando, uh, Mike, the the story that came out yesterday with Terry McDonough, his claims against Michael Bidwell and the Cardinals. Um, I know it's very early in this process, but I just wondered what your initial reaction was when you saw that story because down here it's been it just feels like it's one thing after another over the last year yeah. or so. Um, what your initial reaction was and, and and what kind of you think the next step might be.
2: Uh, So the next step is obviously probably arbitration unless somebody makes more statements. To me, uh, Steve Wilkes is the next step. I think he is a very important witness uh, in this. Obviously, he has his own lawsuit against the Cardinals going, so he's not a completely unbiased uh, source, but I think he's somebody seen in the league with some credibility and some character, right? Uh, and so if he were to corroborate the idea that, hey, uh, Mike Bidwell was the one behind the burner phone thing and and what Terry's saying on that, hey, for whatever you want to say about Terry, sure, he's had his issues, but what he's saying there is 100% true, I think that's damaging. I think this also, because of all of these things, is going to shine a light on Michael Bidwell that probably hasn't been there before. Uh, and I think the statement that the Cardinals put out after it was, unusual and really, really, um, strong. Uh, and I think that focuses a little bit more attention on it too, because really Terry McDonough is accusing the owner of being retaliatory. Well, that thing they put out in Terry McDonough, questioning him as a man, uh, right. As a father, as a husband, it wasn't just office stuff. They really lit into him. Um, you could say that, you can make a case that that felt retaliatory, too. You could even go back to the Kyler Murray clause. Got to do your homework. What did that feel like, right? Yeah. So all of these things, obviously, the GM was had a DUI suspension is gone. The COO had a DUI suspension is gone. The former head coach is suing the team. Uh, the uh, Now McDonough's got this thing. So I, I agree there's a lot of stuff there that's probably going to hang over some of the new people there, the GM and coach, who've don't deserve any of this or in the middle of it. And I think it's remains to be seen what Roger Goodell does. Do, does he, do they side and rally around with Mike Bidwell, one of their own? Do they see him as a liability? Uh, and what does Steve Wilkes, who's a credible person have to say about it? Well, Mike, we appreciate a
0: lot going on. We appreciate your time this morning and uh, and take care. All right. See you, Thank Michael. you. All right. Thanks a lot. That's, uh, that's Mike Sando of the athletic joining us right there I, I <laughs> to tell you, we're referencing his story yesterday. It was like, hey, it'd be great to have Mike on. And then 9,000 other things happened in the span of 24 hours. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620, 620 right now. We come back. Chris Paul starting to find his rhythm alongside Devin Booker and KD. So is this something you can count on in the playoffs? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
2: Suns run to the playoffs coverage brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to
1: 6.25% on your retirement savings. Baby, Baby. we took a trip, now we on your block, and it's like a ghost town.
0: It's funny, there was... Two different ways to look at that game last night, Wolf, and I know this
3: because
0: you and I looked at it two very different ways. We walked in today and Aaron's like, all right, what do you see as the biggest story from that game last night other than the Suns are now 7-0 with KD and, you know, let's wrap up the 4C and you're like, defense. You're like, look at the defense, that's what it is. And for me, it was Chris Paul and Chris Paul shooting and Chris Paul becoming, this feels so weird to say about a Hall of Famer this late in his career but potentially becoming more of a scoring threat. Because last year in the playoffs, he was huge against New Orleans. They don't win if he doesn't play the way he plays against New Orleans. Yeah. And, and then in the second round against the Mavericks, it was like, well, he, he something was off with Chris Paul. And it it wasn't just that he couldn't facilitate the way he normally does. They needed him to score. So now you add Kevin Durant, you don't need Chris Paul to score as much because you've got Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. But the ultimate irony is... Now it's easier for him to score because you have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker.
1: No, that was so cool to see that. Chris Paul, too, especially the way he started the game based on Here was a guy who was 7 of 7 from the floor and didn't miss his first shot until the 6.30 mark of the second quarter. (laughs) Didn't miss a shot. He was 7 of 7. He was 4 of 4 from beyond the arc. And the first shot attempt he missed was a three-pointer. Uh, he was absolutely on fire. 18 points in the first half. Uh-huh. When when this game was ultimately won.
0: He finishes the game with 22 points, 9 of 14 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3. Only had 3 assists. I mean, ultimately, when you're looking at getting where the Suns want to go, you're going to need Chris Paul. He's, he's just he's going to have 10, 11 assists most nights. But if he can add scoring to... It's a real nice bonus, and it's something that his teammates are looking for. Here's Monty Williams after the game. I mean, everybody's been telling
3: Chris to (laughs) shoot. I mean, you can see his his three-point numbers tonight, and his catch-shot numbers are really good. So he understands that for us to be effective and when Kevin gets doubled or he's on the backside, when Book is in pick and roll, like, he's going to get that shot. And never thought I'd have to tell a Hall of Fame player to shoot the ball. <laughs> Kevin, he's driving Kevin crazy. Book and Kevin Durant are going nuts because they all want him to shoot. And uh, I think one thing, That happens when you don't shoot that shot in rhythm. It throws DA's offensive rebounding off because he's getting ready to rebound. Then when the guy doesn't shoot, he's got to get back out of the lane. And that can take away from our ability to get extra possession. So when you have a shot, you know, we've been a let it fly team from the jump. And we don't want guys thinking about it, but
0: especially Chris Paul. Chris Paul must be looking around like, "Uh, I've been in this league for I don't even remember how long. And now I've got Kevin Durant telling me to shoot more. Monty Williams telling me to shoot more. Devin Booker, I'm sure, has been doing it for a couple years. But it's the Chris Paul angle to all of this is so just interesting to me because it's such a unique— I'm not saying his career is ending this year, but like he's at the end, towards the end of his career— and it's such a completely different situation than he's ever really been in.
1: You know, so much of this, too, when we talk about Chris Paul, you're, you're talking about the postseason. We all know it. It's a, we all have to talk about the postseason and the failures of Chris Paul in the postseason. And a lot of times, the failures of Chris Paul in the postseason deals with injury, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of these situations where I think coming into this season, the Suns were trying to figure out, we got to figure out how to go out and be good and beat teams and win games against good teams without depending so much on Chris Paul to do it. He flat out said that at one point. Yes. He said that they, right. they sat
0: down and as a team were like, yes. and he threw Booker in there too. I'm not so worried about the the workload they throw on Devin Booker. But with Chris Paul... A, Chris Paul's got a lot of mileage. NBA mileage, the position he plays, that's a lot of mileage. And we're not talking about, hey, can he get it done in the second week of the season? No, go ahead and play for 25 weeks or whatever it you is. Know. And then the games are going to get more physical and you're going to be playing the same team every other night. And they're going to, they, you know full well you've said this a million times and we saw it in the playoffs last year. Teams are going to go at Chris Paul first. Because what can you really do to go at Kevin Durant and Devin Booker? Like, they're going to have to go at them, too. We saw Dallas get physical with Chris Paul last year. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's why he was so far off, but it it certainly didn't help. Now, here's Chris Paul after the game.
3: A lot of times I catch myself trying to find them. Knowing that I have a ball, just about every possession, I dribble the ball up the court. I feel like I can get a shot whenever. I'm always looking for them. But, of course, seeing the way that they guard K and doubling and trapping and all
1: that, I'm going to definitely have to shoot more. If Chris Paul starts scoring two look yeah you know especially to chris Paul with his catch and shoot three if he if he can start doing that uh to the degree that we have seen him do, I think that will help this team tremendously to actually go out and shoot the three and do it do it well um. We all know that Chris Paul is is a guy that is going to be focused on. There's no doubt about it at some point in time in terms of physicality. I think whoever they play in that first round, you're going to see them try to beat up Chris Paul. I think immediately from the very get-go. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, it's, it's a much tougher proposition with those two guys. And that's why I, I'm, I'm excited for Chris Paul because that's exactly what he needed, I think, in this offense. A Kevin Durant to suddenly dissuade coaches from focusing and hyper-focusing on Chris Paul. And because of that, I think he's going to get the opportunity to score the ball.
0: You don't see a guy, what is this, his 18th season? <laughs> I'm trying to do the math here real quick. You don't typically see a guy become, oh, now you're a catch-and-shoot guy. Now you're one of maybe the best facilitator in the history of the game. Now you're a catch-and-shoot guy right before the playoffs. But, again, if he, because Chris Paul makes his shots for the most part. You know he his games where he can't hit. Yeah. Unfortunately, that was highlighted in the playoffs last year because if he had a game where he couldn't hit, the Suns were in a lot of trouble. Whereas this year, if he has a game where he can't hit, okay, we'll just pass the ball to KD. You know what I mean? But if he is going to start again becoming a scoring threat in the playoffs like he was two years ago, I, I don't—again, I'll go back to this. I don't know how you defend this team unless you're Milwaukee. If Chris Paul has a night where he's going 9 of 14 from the the, the field and he's 4 of 4 from 3— What are you supposed to do if you're the opposing team? Because KD and Devin Booker are going to get theirs. We haven't even talked about DeAndre Ayton. Or if anybody else on the team happens to get hot for... Five minutes in the game,
1: and that's the whole thing about it too. Yeah, you know, I think you're alluding to this as well. But you got Katie out there, and you got Devin Booker. Yeah, do you think the defense? Do you think that a NBA team is going to focus a lot of attention on those two guys right there? Yes, is the answer. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. You're going to try to do that. You're going to try to make anybody else beat you. And I think immediately of Chris Paul and Da in the pick and roll. <laughs> that's what you know, what nice I mean? to have that as a third scoring <laughs> option, and that's what <laughs> I think they will lean on a lot. Not only Chris Paul, of course, and not only the fact that this guy has shown the ability to be a very good catch and shoot three point guy, but more specifically, we all know just how great he is around the elbow. And here comes the pick and roll. Uh-huh. Uh, I could see that really rearing its head a lot. When the playoffs come around, here's uh, Devin Booker after the game, too. Yeah, we want him as aggressive as possible. Um, and he understands that. I think it's just something that he's not completely used to. Um, people helping off him at some times and him getting overlooked. I think he's always been in the position where he had to make plays for everybody on the court. So, you know, it's going to take a little bit of adjusting, but, you know, it's always. You're always in a good spot if you're looking for a Hall of Famer to be more aggressive.
0: Let us once again take a second and just sit back and appreciate what we have in Devin Booker. How many how many teams that have a star a superstar player like Devin Booker? Do you hear other players being like, "Yeah, Booker's always telling me to shoot more," and it's not just Chris Paul. How many times do we hear Cam Johnson when he was here? Well, yeah, you know yeah. Booker and Monty are telling me to shoot more. <laughs> Mikel Bridges shoot more. How many superstar players that have been through? What Devin Booker has been through with this team, and he gets his points, it's not like he's deferring, is constantly telling his teammates to shoot more. It's, it's like the bizarro world for NBA basketball. And it might end up working out really well here for the Suns. Uh, legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy has announced his retirement and we want to hear from you. Just text Al to six twenty-six twenty and submit a video. A thank you Al message in that video might even get played on the air. So text Al to six twenty six twenty. When we come back, big win for the D backs yesterday. How would their general manager Mike Hazen assess their first week of the season? We're gonna ask him. He's gonna join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. <laughs> The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. Arizona sports, the local sports leader. Diamondbacks front office focus with Wolf and Luke. A pretty nice win yesterday at uh Petco for the D-backs over the Padres. Nice bounce back
1: performance. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. Oh. Well, you are into this season. No, I, like I I'm am into, into this, this season, but you're into it. No, there's no doubt about it, man. Honestly, right now, a young team with young guys trying to make their way. Uh, It brings back a lot of memories.
0: Well, I'm guessing that our guest on the Arizona Sports Line right now is more into it than even we are because he's the general (laughs) manager of the team. Mike Hazen joining us right now. Uh, Mike, thank you for the time. That game yesterday, considering how the first game of that series with the Padres played out, a pretty nice way to bounce back.
3: Yeah. um, Look, for 162 games, having some degree of resilience, is an important characteristic for good teams to have. Um, And I've said this, I don't know how many times, unfortunately, but uh, maybe, maybe more than most uh, at times, but we've had our share of, you know, eighth, ninth inning losses. Um, Those are the hardest ones to kind of mentally regroup from Um, when you feel like you have a win and you, you, you know, nobody counts their chickens there uh, when you're getting to the latter innings. Certainly not me, but, 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 You know, mentally you start going to those places where you have that game in your hand to be able to win, um, and then you don't do it in, I don't even know how many pitches it was. Um, it's, It's a tough thing for a team to kind of regroup from, but the best teams I've ever been around, every team blows games in the ninth inning, every single team, even the ones that win the World Series every year. The one, the best ones around are able to go and put that to bed the next day, go out and win a baseball game, and then everybody forgets it, and we, you're able to move on very quickly as opposed to allowing it to snowball. And I think yesterday's win was, was, was a good, a good indicator that we have various ways to beat you. Um, you don't just have to roll out the next day and put ten runs up, and you know it, it doesn't matter who pitches. Um, it, it it was it was a tough game. You know we went down, we went down by a decent amount, um, and and we came back. So it was good to see.
1: So Mike, obviously, um, Corbin Carroll, you paid him an awful lot of money. It's been six games. <laughs> It's been six games. We don't want to overreact at all, Mike. That's not what I'm saying. But so, so they don't, don't. You're about to. <laughs> no, He's going I'm not to. going to. I'm just going to say, <laughs> what have you seen from Corbin Carroll through six games without overreacting? So, so you want me to overreact instead of you overreacting? I got it. All right. That's fair. I love the that's game. Your, I love the that, game. That's your right?
3: job. Uh sure. I, I am definitely the person to answer the don't overreact question. Um, I, I will not be doing that. He's a he's a he's a good baseball player. He is a dynamic baseball player. He fits in so well to the fabric of what we're trying to create. Um, that's why we did what we did. Um, hopefully it's not the last one we're going to be able to do that with as we put a group of players together um, that you set out at the outset that are a hungry group of players that want to go out, compete, and win and do it in, in, in a number of ways. And he can do that. Um, he has those skills. I think one of the things that, you know, we've, we lack, uh, we've talked about this, is we, we, we're not just going to go up and bash with the Dodgers. Like, it's just not going to happen that way. We're, we're not going man-to-man home run counts and and see who who's the first to, to nine runs every night. We're going to have to be able to play defense at an elite level. We're going to have to be able to run the bases at an elite level. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have to be able to score runs in ways that don't rely on somebody hitting a three-run home run. Those are nice. We all love them. I'd love to have 100 of them. We're just not going to have those being able to put the ball on the ground um, with runners at third base, being able to steal bases, being able to take extra bases, being able to make catches while you're tumbling into the stands to save your pitcher. <laughs> Those are the things that I think we are capable of doing. Um, that, I think, is going to be, A, an exciting brand of baseball to watch, which, which is good for us. And as we build upon it and as we add more talent to our roster over time,
0: um, I think that team becomes that much harder to beat. And he's a major player in that. See, there you go. He didn't even have to overreact to answer your question. Uh, talking to uh, DBX GM Mike Hazen. Uh, Mike, Dre Jameson, just kind of an interesting name, what we've seen at the end of last year and you know spring training, but then you get to the games and, and he's pitching better. He always seems to pitch better when there's more on the line. I know it's a small sample size, but I'm sure he wants to start. He already has a win and a save, though. What kind of weapon is he for you out of the bullpen?
3: I'm, we're not really sure yet, if I'm being totally honest. Um, we're trying to figure that out, too. Um, we still see him as a starter. I still think as we go through the season, he's probably our sixth starter right now um, that we're trying to keep stretched out. We have a stable of guys in Reno that we also are going to be very willing to call on that are that are ready to go. Um, so I think in, in aggregate, that puts us in a good spot. Um, but for him... You know he has he is such a competitor. I mean you've seen some of his quotes, right That's his personality he just he doesn't say a lot, and when you know we shoved him into Dodger Stadium that first game, like you, you kind of start to see it immediately and and i and and i think I think that's who he is, and so some of that is great as a starting pitcher, some of that is great as a relief pitcher. We need both um so right now we still see him as a starter we're still trying to keep him lengthened out. I don't know where this is going to take us, if I'm in, if I'm in total, being totally honest. I, we're, we're going to kind of let it take us where it takes us. And, and by, by, by saying that, I mean, we're going to let the guy go out and pitch games for us and help us win games. Um, and, and I think that's the most important thing that we could do for our baseball team is make sure he's going to pitch um, in, in situations where it matters, whether that's starting or relieving. Um, right now it's in the pen, and we're going to try to, try to do both. Uh, eventually i'm I'm assuming, but at some point we may not, and we may make a decision to just we're gonna go in this direction or the other direction. Some of that's gonna be the guys in Reno sort of catching him from a starting standpoint and being ready to go and take that spot um from him and then part of that's gonna be you know how quickly we may could take on an injury in the season, like if we took on an injury sooner rather than later then we'll probably make that shift if we don't take on a starting pitcher injury until, I don't know, some longer period of time into the season, then that could change how we look at it. But the bottom line is, we want that guy out there on the mound because I, I think the competitiveness you see when he's out there, along with the electric stuff, is real, and and we need more of that, not less of
1: that. So, Mike, um, I don't splatter easily. I don't. Okay, so I'm not I'm not going to overreact either. But Zach Gallen, in his two outings right now, he's he's had a rough go of it. Seven point five nine ERA right now in two outings. Why has he struggled? And not look like Zach uh, Allen. That okay of the crazy overreactions you could
3: have, you know, <laughs> one to a hundred. Um, I'm not saying you are. You've made it clear you are not overreacting, I'm even nuts. though you're asking that question. You're I'm not nuts. overreacting. Uh, of that one's probably number one for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, 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 yes. I I think I don't look. Look around the league. There's been a lot of runs scored in the last in the first six, seven games around the league. The, the ball, the, you know, there's been a lot of home runs hit. There's been a lot of walks, tons of walks. I think some of that's probably an adjustment to the new to the new pace of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, for the guys that haven't lived the rules, Dre Jameson. Brian Nelson, those guys have lived the rules, you know? Um, They've already done it, which is pitching at a much quicker pace than certain guys have. And believe it or not, I I do think that is a real adjustment. Like, you look around some of the starters in this league that have given up a ton of runs early, I wouldn't be surprised if just pitching at a different pace than they normally are able to, whether that's stepping off the mound. You know, we can all argue whether what, what that looked like from a game standpoint, and I think we can all agree the game looks incredible right now. At least I think it does with the pace at which it's played. Um, I think it's probably the best rule change we've ever made, um, but I think there's still an advantage adjustment that is needed and that adjustment i think for a lot is going to be the starting pitchers um is pitching at a different tempo than they have before we can all you know these guys are ridiculous shape like Zach gallon works out every single day during the offseason it's not a conditioning thing um by any stretch of the imagination this guy works harder than everybody it's But I do think pitching at a certain pace, and he was, you know, he could be deliberate at times. Mm -hmm. I I think pitching at that pace is an adjustment that needs to be made. He's going to make the adjustment. He's too smart not to. And he's our best starting pitcher. He's going to be our best starting pitcher, and
2: that's how I feel.
0: Mike, I'm I'm so glad, (laughs) A, that you said all that, and B, that you said that you're in on the pitch clock because we're trying to convince Wolf to get on board. And I think when when the GM of the team says that, that helps.
3: Get get on board, Wolf. Get on board. We're not going back.
2: Go Go watch an
3: NBA game without the shot clock and let me know what you think
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go okay that that that's, was good yeah, that was well the, done by you good. right there but mike come on man we've played the game of baseball what 150 plus years and this is the first generation that said man you know what i can't stand some of those how games, were games years are long,
0: though, too
1: yeah mike yeah, But the games over those 150 years they
3: didn't take three and a half hours to play those games are getting played in two and a half hours. The game has changed. Like, it's, it's, it's changed in a way that organically I think we needed to make an adjustment to it. I, I, I mean, again, look, Wolf, if you enjoy watching, you know, I, I don't know, a lot of dead time, I get it. Um, you know, some of us have All to right. you know, do stuff in between pitches. I don't. I like watching these guys hey. play at a clip that, that the ball is being put in play, that, you yes. know, action is being forced. And I think in the long run, our game is going to benefit from you know,
1: That's my, my position. Michael, my 13-year-old loves it. Okay, and that probably is what Major League Baseball is Everybody else in the studio, too, to command and control. Exactly. Mike, <laughs> Mike, thank you the time, buddy. Man. All right, guys. Talk to you. All
0: right. That's Mike Hazen, D D-backs general manager, joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back, we'll take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.